This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How a Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Richard Keller. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Richard, who also goes by Rich, uh, is an author, broadcaster, a humorist, a publisher, and an avid napper, as he shares, which I am as well, Rich. Uh, Richard has written over 3,000 articles, essays, and blogs over a 30-year writing career, which started when he was 16 years old as a stringer for a, a local newspaper. Uh, then he began at Wooden Pants Publishing in 2014 after an uncomfortable situation with another publisher he was working with at the time. Uh, since then, Wooden Pants has produced several best-selling books and introduced the world to a batch of new authors, and we'll chat a little bit about that. Uh, this year, he expanded his company to cover media, and he produces two podcasts, uh, The Leap and The Daily Author. Uh, the Leap interviews people who have made creative and major life leaps, while The Daily Author is a Monday through Friday program that highlights authors of all genres. So in this episode, uh, Richard's gonna, Rich is going to share with us his entrepreneurial journey. We'll talk about how he got to where he is today. And then we're going to dive into a couple of specific uh, topics that he has a lot of experience and background in, the creative process and his creative process and tips on that, and productivity. He's got a lot of good insights on becoming more productive. So Richard lives in uh, northern Colorado uh, with his wife and five children. And as he says, a massive ego. He says he's had to spend his free time widening the doors or the frames of the doors because of his ego being so inflated. So as you can tell, Rich has a bit of a comical side to him. Um, but Richard Keller, welcome to the show. I thank you for having me on today. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, by the way, we have, a, we have a kind of a geographic connection in that I have a couple of businesses in Colorado Springs, and I'm up that way quite a bit. I mm -hmm. uh, was up in Boulder a few weeks ago for one of the games there because my business partner who lives in Colorado Springs, both of his boys have gone to Boulder, University of Colorado, so we're up there. So that, you're in Grand Junction? Where are you? Not Grand Junction. No. Fort Collins. I am in, I'm in Fort Collins, which is north of Boulder on right. the I-25 corridor. Right, right. Yeah, not too far from there. Fantastic. Uh, well, once again, welcome to the show. I want to start with uh, the beginnings, kind of where how you progressed from school and then into where you are today. But uh, I believe you got a bachelor's in journalism at Rutgers, correct? I did, yes. It was actually quite a good experience. It allowed me to do a number of things in different venues. So I spent my most of my time at the radio station and I worked an internship at a local radio station covering elections and such. And I was also part of a team in, I think, my last one of my last semesters at Rutgers to do a show. It was a weekly uh, talk show for uh, public television. Hmm. So when, when, I, did, when did you catch yeah. this bug for journalism and for all of this stuff? Was it early on in life? I began my writing life when I was in third grade. My teacher, Jan Courtney, one of my favorites, asked us to write a story, and I ended up writing some kind of five-page murder mystery where they found a body under the ice, and she loved it. She said it wasn't what she exactly wanted, and 
it was my first it was my first taste of taking ideas from other places because I remember succinctly that that idea came from an episode of a soap opera my mother used to watch called Another World mm. and uh, from there it was it, it just took off I it that was when my creative soul said all right let's go ahead yeah and so in college you saw yourself going on to work as a reporter at a newspaper is that what you thought the career path would be I wanted to do radio journalism as opposed to print journalism. Even then, I think I knew that there was a shift. Hmm. Plus, I had spent my years as a stringer covering town council meetings, board of ed meetings, and I'll be honest, you journalism people out there, not the most interesting <laughs> meetings at all. And with the radio, it was much more spontaneous. So I remember a time I was working at the college radio station and we heard about a stabbing at the gym, which was right next door to the radio station. And I rushed down to the hospital to get some information on what had happened. I feel that the spontaneity of radio where it or television where you can report on these things as soon as they happen right. is so much more intriguing. It pumps your blood, gets you, gets you going, and it gets you excited. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that was an appeal to you back then. And obviously, that, we'll get to it in a moment, but that's probably what brought you back to podcasting as well. Yes. Uh, even there is a bit of a delay with podcasting, but it gives you more of that live feel of communication. Um, so, uh, stringer, I, I think I know what that means, but what is that word? Where does it come from, that, that term stringer? Uh, so I don't know exactly where it came from, but... In newspaper terms or even radio terms, the stringer was the person who handled the the scut work uh, that the other reporters didn't. So I would be the ones, even at 16, to go to the board of ed meetings, to go to the town council meetings. I would get a feature every so often, but mostly it was sitting there for two hours listening to them prattle on about – budgets and stuff and then me writing about it <laughs> uh so it, i wasn't a featured uh reporter but i was uh, kind of that level below yeah yeah that would make sense but at that age that was incredible experience i have to think oh absolutely it i mean very few people went into that and i was so proud that i took the step or had the the urge to take that step and say, I want to do that, because it was so powerful in me. I didn't even realize it back then how powerful this creative spirit was. I just it that is what drove me to say, you know, I want to do this. I want to be part of this thing. Even though it was like a twice weekly paper, I still wanted to be part of it to see my byline because that was really that was really exciting. I was even looking uh, not too long ago at some of my very first press clippings from 1986 or so. And, you know, it's still like, wow, I did that when I was really young. Yeah, that's fantastic. So then after college, what did you do? Uh, I did not much. <laughs> I floated <laughs> around. And I think it was because of a lot of people who said, well, there were two things. One, it was very hard to get a job in journalism at that point. Even back then, the I wasn't interested in newspapers. I was trying radio. They weren't looking for radio reporters because the markets were shifting. And uh, my meanwhile, my parents or my father was the guy who always wanted security. So said, so you need a real job. So I ended up going into IT after a couple of different things in retail and and such, and. I, that's where I spent the last 25 years wow. in some capacity. Yeah. But also, I still continued to dabble in the creative stuff. So I made sure I wrote for blogs, and I was uh, part of an improv troupe. And I also did articles for a comic uh, magazine based on comic books. But they were not really – they were kind of dabbles instead of really going full throttle in the writing or creative world 
which happened much, much later. Yeah. And so the technical writing, was that going on as a, you were, were you doing that as a consultant or were you with uh, that particular no. company? Okay. Explain no, that. No, I was, us. yeah. So whenever I went to another job, I would say I'm a writer and I've done technical writing, I've done teaching. And they would pass that along to me to the point that I wanted to, at my last job, be their technical writer for the entire group because I could do it. I had the the skills to put everything together quickly and efficiently, a lot better than some other people who they're just simply technical. Yeah. They They talk in technical terms rather than going and saying to people, here's what you need to do especially new people. So in my jobs at uh, the three major jobs I had were at National Institutes of Health and then a company, I'm sure you've heard of Listserv where people are part of lists and I worked for that main company and I spent 12 years at uh, Citigroup and in their IT department and I did a lot of their procedure control manuals and user manuals and a lot of stuff to help them move along. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, found it, I found it interesting. It wasn't that boring, to be honest with you. I found it interesting because I was able to it, – it was something that gave me the opportunity to learn and, and determine how I could concentrate what I learned into a couple of pages. Yeah, that was a challenge for you, and you, you enjoyed that creative uh, process. Mm -hmm. All right, so as you're doing that kind of work, I guess you're also doing talent, uh, voice talent work on the side and, and writing here and there and writing books. So tell us about that, what's going on at the same time. I want to get to the point where you decide I need to start my own publishing company, but what led up to that? Uh, I moved to Colorado, and there is some kind of – weird thing that goes on in this state that drives creativity out. Uh, and I started by going to a writer's conference where I'd, I'd never done when I lived on the East Coast, most likely mostly because it was right down the street from where I lived here in, in northern Colorado. And from there, I joined a critique group so that people could get my writing reviewed. And then I wrote my first finished my first manuscript as part of National Novel Writing Month, which takes place in November. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I finished uh, a book, a science fiction book called Paradise Not Quite Lost, which I submitted at a conference. The agent loved it, but she didn't, it wouldn't fit her. So I had to find a place for it. And I was really starting to get antsy. I wanted to get books out there. And then the second thing that happened in 2013 is uh, I was diagnosed with depression after so long and I was given medicine and boy, your life changes when you get on anti-depression uh, or anti-anxiety medicine. Uh, it's it's a total 180 in your life. The, all those screaming voices in your head that tell you you're you're not doing the right thing and you need to be safe and so many other things kind of get softened and your true self c comes out. So that's what happened. Uh, I submitted Paradise Not Quite Lost to a publisher. I will call that company nicely. <laughs> and they gave me a cash prize and they gave me all these promises to publish. And it never turned out. The the publisher ran into some problems with the law, some some issues with her daughter. I mean, it was it was a lot of stuff, and she just gave up on it. And I never heard back from her. So I took the rights back for the book, and that's how Wooden Pants Publishing started in 2014. Wow, interesting. So it's with your first book. I would have see. I, I obviously didn't do enough research, but I would have thought it was after having been published that you would have taken this step. So that's a, that's a pretty bold step to go from having a bad experience with the publisher on your first book to starting your own publishing company. What what do you think were the other motivators? There also have been other things that just came together at the right time for you. Obviously, like you mentioned, the move. So now you're in this different environment. You, you, get, uh, you get some help with the depression. All those things maybe came together to make you feel like this is the right time to start my own thing. 
Yeah, there was a confidence in there, and I always wanted to do something. Even when I was working in other uh, areas, I was trying to expand. I have never been the cubicle type of guy. I realized that well into my years in the cubicle where I just wasn't interested in it anymore. I wasn't interested in being in those that three-walled area you know, from 8 a.m. to whatever with an hour for lunch. I, I couldn't stay there anymore. And I tried a couple of things. I tried, I, I ran my own improv company and I, I burnt out after that. I took classes at Edge Studio in New York to do voice acting. And, but that never, that didn't come to fruition until now. And I, I always knew that I was the type of person who was not the corporate guy. Uh, the money was great, but I I couldn't do it. There was always, whenever I would do stuff, my creative soul would be calling out to me saying, you got to move on, you got to move on. So when I decided to start Wooden Pants Publishing in 2014, that was a culmination of everything that had built up since I moved out to Colorado through the writing and the critique grouping and, and the people saying, yeah, you, you, you do good stuff and just learning in general. So you started Wooden Pants in 2014. Are you at a point now where that's your sole form of income or do you still do other stuff on the side? Where are you in that process? Because for most of us, it takes a while to get there. Yeah. I am a, uh, what people call a parallel entrepreneur. I love that. I'm not somebody who drops some one thing and goes to another. So the publishing is definitely the mainstream of what I want to do because I want people to embrace their creative souls. I want them to break through their fears, and I want them to publish. I want them to invest in themselves, and that's what we do because we offer a one-time uh, fee package where they keep all their royalties. But as I've gone full-time this year, I've also – shifted a bit and I'm running a parallel operation where I'm offering creative services as well. So I'm editing for people who are not part of my publishing company. I'm working with them on marketing. I'm doing narrations. I'm edit I'm doing podcasting. I'm I'm engineering their books. Uh, because it's just you know when you're when you're a creative you you have a hard time sticking with one thing. And even when you're a business person, you still kind of want to do that those other things. So you have to find a way to monetize them so that you can do them. And it's that's why I've decided to kind of go those parallel routes. So if people are not interested or you know it's a quieter time and people are not coming in to publish their books, then other people are looking for many more options in the creative services realm. Yeah, very interesting. All right, I'd like to go back if I could, Rich, and um, I know it's sensitive, but on the point of your depression and, and getting yes. help for it, uh, especially how you mentioned it, but I'm curious as to how you feel it affected the creativity. Because uh, sometimes I think people are afraid that maybe those medications or maybe medications in the past would dull your creative abilities. Uh, that hasn't been your experience, it sounds like. No, and I think I've, I was lucky uh, in many cases, because some people have really severe clinical depressions that, you know, the medicine they take can really kind of put them in a zone that mm -hmm. they don't want to be. Uh, for me, it was so different. Picture, I, I guess, picture yourself waking up each morning and then putting 50 pounds of weight on your shoulders and then having that weight on you all day and then only getting it removed when you fell asleep and then it would start all over again every day. That's the way I felt. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was, I kept saying to myself, why am I not happy? Why can I not be happy? Why can I not love my kids? Why can I not enjoy my marriage? Why can I enjoy these types of things? And it was funny that every time, and I think this is some proven stuff as well, uh, when you do creative things, uh, a lot of times that releases uh, the serotonin in your in your body or in your brain to kind of shift your thought processes so that you can operate normally and 
with me, I would do that, but then a lot of times the darkness would come back in at a later time, at a later moment. So by taking the medicine, what happened was like I, I, I compare it to this. Think about having a head cold and then all of a sudden I took this medicine and my head cold was gone. And I, I felt so much different. Now, it's taken me a long time. I was still in my head for a long bit of time. but it, And it's just started this year or even later last year where I can actually close my eyes and have quiet in my head, which is something I rarely had in the past or it took so much effort to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why the creative it, – it's come – the creativity has come to me because – it was always there, but there was something in me, in my head, that kept screaming at me, no, it's not going to work. You're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. It was a lot of no, 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 whereas my soul was saying, yes, make this move. Take this advantage. Do what you need to do. Uh, and, you know, again, it's not going to work for everybody. If you're really, truly clinically depressed and, you know, it, and the medicine may not help you, but for others – Look, I can only say give it a shot. Don't keep yourself in dire straits. I still have my days. I still have my bad days, but at least I can get out of them quicker than I did in the past. Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that, Rich. I know it's very personal, but what I'm hopeful of is maybe one or two people hearing that will take that advice because I think it is such a huge thing. We we we, we put such a, um, I don't know, for lack of a word, such a shame on it because we, we, we think it's something we have complete control over, but that's not the case. And so you've got to get help. And it's just, it's fortunate. And, and so an example like yours is hopefully inspirational to others that there is a potential solution. Like you said, everybody's different, right? but there is some help that you can get. And it, and it just takes that block out of the way like you expressed and allows you to, to be a more complete person that you can be. And so right. And and you have to do that, especially when you're a small business owner, because you can't be in your head all the time. You can't have that fear. Look, I have fears. And it's the beginning of the month. I'm like, okay, here comes the money. But at the end of the month, I have, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the month. What am I going to do? And by getting help and talking to people about it, you get that – you get a better sense of yourself. You're able to kind of center what is going on in your life and say, okay, this is what I have to do. I can be fearful for five minutes, but I really need to focus on this. Whereas if you don't get help and you just say, ah, just give it up, nothing's ever going to get done. You're constantly going to be in a space in your head where it's going to say there, it's, there's no – there's no light at the end of the tunnel yeah, and that's sure. what has to be done you need to see that light at the end of the tunnel yeah very well said and that's a great point we talk about fear a lot on this show and separating those things and again it's not that there's not, there's nothing that takes the fear away completely we all as entrepreneurs in particular deal deal with fear but it's that paralyzing fear that you were describing that that just stays with you all day and is that burden as you so clearly described that weight on your shoulders that's what we're talking about. That's what can mm-hmm. paralyze you. That's what can keep you from achieving success. That's what can keep you from being able to balance being successful in business and at home. And that's what you're talking about here. But, but fear is always going to be there for people listening. I, you know, I don't know anybody who's an entrepreneur that doesn't deal with some level of fear. It's how they react to it and how they manage it that's important. Yep, absolutely. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, 
please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. All right, so let's segue, uh, since we're talking about creativity, into that topic is one of the main topics I wanted to talk about. In particular, let's start with the writing process. Can you describe for us what your creative process is when you write? And is it different when you're writing an article, let's say, as opposed to writing a book? Yeah, it is, I think. It, it's, I, I think I'll, I'll start with this. I, I'm very blessed to have the skill sets that I do when it comes to writing, uh, I can be very prolific. When you're doing something like an article or a blog, the creative process is different because you're, you have to delve into some research and that takes some time to kind of look through what you need in order to produce the material. But when I'm writing a novel, or writing something nonfiction-y about creativity, it's, the research is not needed. And what happens is, so it, it, can, it can be a different type of feeling. Either way, what happens, and, and what I've, I've come to realize is this, your ideas don't come from your head. They come from your soul your heart, your gut, that's where all of the ideas come from, where you put the words out. It's the brain that helps move your hands to type the words or write the words out. So in both situations, I quiet my mind in order to draw into myself so I can produce more efficiently. By thinking of everything, you know, by thinking 17 steps ahead, you get stuck. By just being in the moment, you do what you need to do and get it done. That's what editing is all about. You go back and make the changes that you need. Just like we do with our podcasts, if we've coughed or if we've maybe a question didn't work out properly or we've done 27 ums in one sentence, we edit it out. But as we're going through the process, we're just letting it flow. So that's my creative process is just letting, you know, as, as they say in Frozen, letting go. Let mm -hmm. it go and just move ahead. You can't second-guess yourself. You can't think ahead. You, you do what you need to do. For a blog post or something that's like 500 words – you know, you're like, okay, here's the first paragraph, next, 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 we're done. For a book, it's here is how I'm advancing the story. Now, some people do outlines, and that's fine. I'm what they call a pantser, a seat of the pantser. I won't do an outline for fiction. I will just type, just type and see what happens to the characters and where they develop. So you made a point also about quieting your mind. Do What uh, practices for your physical space do you always take or sometimes take to control that or help control that? Or does it have nothing to do with your physical environment? Oh, it, it does sometimes. Uh, I will have to put on headphones and listen to music, uh, depending where I am. I, if I'm at a coffee shop, I, I will tend to do that. Although most, a lot of my ideas for my coffee cup tales series of books came from there. But I will put on music and then the type of music, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing if I'm actually putting a, a story together, a fictional story together, I won't do anything that involves voices. It's better for me to have my own voice. But if I'm doing blogging or something, I'll put on you know any type of you know music that I that I can. Uh, sometimes I do want quiet. Sometimes I'm in such a zone that putting the music on doesn't doesn't matter. It's just quiet enough, regardless if it's in my office uh, or at my home, that I'll just push ahead. What I can't do is, again, I can't be in that. In order to do that, I can't be in my head. I can't be thinking, oh gosh, what do I have to do? And I have to do this and I have to do that. And as an entrepreneur, you're constantly doing that. You're sitting there, you're getting up, you're going to the shower and like, okay, what are the 20 things I need to do today? But you really can't because that is just going to cripple you in a way because you're going to get frustrated that you're not getting anything done. So on a day like today where I have 
I'm doing this interview and then I'm doing a uh, author concert consultation and then I'm doing a live podcast. I'm just like, I just got to get whatever I can get done. I can get done today. And then, you know, I'll, I'll save it and we'll do it a little tonight or a little tomorrow. You have to, in order to do that, you, you have to be centered. You can't be tired or, or, you know, you can't be overwhelmed by something because you're just not going to be able to move forward. If you're exhausted, you're, it's not only that your head is exhausted and your body, but your soul is exhausted as well, and it's or your heart, and they're not going to want to do anything either until you recharge. Yeah, great insights there, and thanks for tying it back to how it applies to a small business owner because I was thinking for those listeners who are thinking, what the heck does this have to do with small business? The creative process, creativity, and tapping into it has a lot to do with being successful in business, and, and that's why I wanted to dive in on this. And in, in fact, there was a quote I read uh, on one of your sites about the fact that the, the process of creativity, and in particular how you apply it when you're writing, is a lonely thing. It's mostly a solo process, as you've just described. And I think that parallels very much to what we face as small business owners or entrepreneurs starting out. It can be very lonely, so there's a lot of parallels there. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was talking to my wife about that last week. It's like, yeah, I have a family of five kids and everything, but I'm still lonely because I, it, it, I'm i sitting here in my desk by myself for eight hours a day. And that's the same thing of writing. Even though you might be among a group of people at a coffee shop, you are alone. You're, But you need to be alone a lot of times because you need to be in that zone to do what you need to do. Creatives, rather, regardless if they're – business people or or you know people who do art they have to be in that process they have to be with themselves in order to move ahead if they have so many voices that are coming at them in different directions it's hard to put a focus on anything yeah. and rich and what i've observed i'm sure you have as well is that highly successful entrepreneurs are creatives because it is a type of creating interest if we talk about entrepreneurship in general. But what you touched on as well is, yes, we have to have those alone times. That's necessary. But then we have to seek, just like you've done, for example, with your writing process and being part of different groups, we have to seek peers, coaches, mentors to help us with that as well so that we're not always isolated. Right, exactly. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a creative person? Oh, yeah. I mean, 150 uh, percent, always. What do you say to people who say, well, I'm just not a creative person? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I say to them, everybody's creative, regardless of what they do. They can be an author or a musician or an artist, but they can also be in construction. They can be in architecture. They can be a florist. Uh, even in IT, you're a creative because you're creating apps a lot of times or you're you're finding those creative opportunities to maybe be proactive to move forward with a project everybody has creativity in their life it but it may be something that is connected with something else so you may be more analytical or logical and your creativity is kind of fed into numbers and equations as opposed to uh, putting paint on a canvas or putting words on a piece of paper. When you're an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. You are a creative because you have seen something that a space that needs to be filled, a void that needs to be filled. And by doing that, you are creating something to fill that void. You have, uh, I belong to a organization out here called Conscious Business Connections, where it's, it's a networking group. We meet once a week, but you know, it's more than that. It's, it's being more of a conscious entrepreneur. And a lot of people there are filling voids with certain forms of acupuncture or 
or homeopathy or healing that they can't find anywhere else. They've seen that something needs to be filled in in that case. So everybody is a creative. It just on different levels. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And I think to your point, everybody can create and does. I think what happens, certainly in my experience and observation, is a lot of people bury their creativity because our system, our society, our education, whatever you want to maybe blame it on, tells us that that's not something you want to do. That's what kids do. And so we misunderstand that. But I think also at the heart of it, when we create, it doesn't matter what we create. Could be that I've just laid a new piece of pavement or built a house or wrote, wrote an app or, you know, wrote a book. It doesn't matter. It is, if we're really creating, it comes, as you said, from our soul, from inside of us. It, it's us. We're sharing something of us. And I think what happens is, as adults, we are embarrassed that maybe somebody will reject that, and then that reflects on me. If they don't like my art, that must be that I'm no good. And I think that's at the root of why a lot of people then get away from their quote-unquote creative side. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and that's what you can't do. Look, there are people right now who think that what I do at Wooden Pants Publishing by offering a upfront, you know, here's an upfront fee and you keep all the royalties, they go, no, I don't want to do that because there's too many other ways to go that I can get it for free. And I understand that completely. Then there are others that say, yeah, I want to make this investment in myself to do it. You can't, uh, not, not everybody loves everything you do. There are people who hate Pixar movies. There are people who hate uh, Oprah for that matter. There are people who, who, who don't like certain songs or television shows or authors, even though you may love them. It's, and it's the same way with entrepreneurship. They may look at you and go, oh, you're never going to make any money on that. But others may be very positive about you. You need to go to the positive people. The biggest problem with creativity is you people are in circles where there's so much negativity and you have to stay away from the negativity or else it is going to affect you regardless of how strong you are if all if you're in a negative world and they come to you and say oh this isn't going to work you're going to fail and stuff that's going to get in your head and your head's going to say oh yeah absolutely totally right you're going to fail it's not going to work by sticking around positive people or positive influences being, you know, being part of a entrepreneurial group, some kind of peer group, uh, talking to business coaches and stuff, you're getting a, a better feedback that is going to, uh, you know, it's going to feed your soul. It's going to feed your heart and make you stronger to do it. I always tend to feel better when I talk to my business coach or when I'm done with my CBC meeting only because I, I know other people are running into the same problems I am and uh, that I don't have to sit there and go, oh, I'm the only one. You can't feel like that. You can't be the only one. Now, on the other side of it all, if you're getting so much negative feedback, then you do have to be on the negative side until you can find some positive influences. Let me rephrase that. Sorry. You need to be alone in order and before you get those hmm. while you're looking for those positive influences because that you got to you have to keep them at a distance. As you can see, I'm moving my hand saying keeping them at a distance. <laughs> you have to keep them at a distance or else it's it's just going to fail. I had that situation. My father was like that. You know, you're never going to you want to be this, you're never going to work. It's uh, you want to something secure. Be a lawyer instead of a journalist. Uh, be do this, do that. I'm like, no, I can't. My that's not what I'm being called to do. I'm being called to do something different. Yeah, good great examples and great takeaways there. All right, I want to segue into productivity, which is another area that you speak about a lot and, and write about. In fact, you have this uh, acronym COUCH that you talk yes. about. Would you introduce that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's what you want to do, and this is something I introduced back. Uh, I did a Ignite talk uh, last year about this, and you want to do a couple of things. First, uh, I talked about the, your couch being your enemy. Why? Because you sit on that couch and you turn on the television 
and you're only there for an hour or so, and your brain activity just totally slows down to the point that you're acting like a lizard. And this is not something I'm making up. It is actually proven fact. What happens is you need to get rid of that couch. You need to walk away from it and ignore it because that is pulling away from your productivity. Yes, if you worked eight hours, you can sit on the couch. But if you're starting your day by saying, oh, let me watch a little Netflix, it's not going to be a little Netflix. It's going to be a whole season, then your day's productivity is gone. So couch I created as an acronym to do stuff such as uh, uh, you know, organize your work. So you first, you know, couch is you want to be concise. You want to determine what you need to do. Then you want to organize yourself. You want to have a fairly clean space so you're not spending your day fixing it up because that's going to waste time. And and really, cleaning, taking a day cleaning your desk is just an excuse. That's your head saying, "I can't do anything." Mm-hmm. You is understanding what is stopping you from moving ahead or understanding what your goals are. What is, you know, what are my goals? What is stopping me from moving to those goals? C is completion is, you know, you want to get things done and it may take a little time. It may not be done in four hours. It may be done in another day, but you have to, you want to complete it because that's, Crossing a thing off your list that is psychologically something that makes you feel good. And then H is have patience. You have to have patience with these things. I've just started my business full-time this year. And, you know, you learn so much in a 12-month period about how to run a business that I'm a totally different person than I was 12 months ago. And I'm finally starting to see some of the returns on that as opposed to some of the fantasies I had when I started. So you have to have the patience for that. And, and you have to tell your friends and family to have patience for that as well, because they're going to come to you and say, you know, where, where's the, where are the big bucks? And like, you have to wait a bit for the big bucks. It's not immediate. And my wife and I constantly go back on this because She's a very practical person. She see things. She sees things as you know. You go to work, you get a paycheck. I'm like, not everybody does that, and we have to be patient. And I and you know, I said, we are going to make it through this year, and it's the end. You know, the end of the year, and you know what? We're still here. We, we uh, you know, we have food and we have things that we need, and it's all okay. So, you have to. Implement those things as soon as possible. Yeah. You have that, to that, make- that last point. If I can interrupt, it's it's about delaying gratification and looking at it as an investment over time, right? Uh, that, right. That patience part of it. Yeah, because you have to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. That is the big thing that you have to do. I, and I've been, my business coach says this, and I, I've taken on this mantra. Mantra is you have to invest in yourself. If you're just gonna, if you're gonna publish a book by yourself, and you have uh, you don't. You're just gonna self-edit it, and you're gonna do a crummy cover, and you're not gonna format it properly. And then you sit back and say, "Why isn't nobody buying it?" Well, you didn't invest in yourself. You didn't get an editor. You didn't get a cover designer. You didn't get somebody to format it. You didn't do any marketing. How, how were you supposed to get this book seen? You have to make those investments in yourself. Plus, and you know, it takes time. It takes time to do that. I. I still have issues with it. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out, okay, uh, you know, here's what I can do, but this is the price I can do, and I'm sorry I'm not changing it. And you got to keep – you have to keep doing it. That's how you're going to become the person you need. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun. I think it's great. I think it's a great acronym to remember. So, so again, COUCH, an acronym stands for Concentrate, Organize, Understand, Complete, and Have Patience. The thing I want to dive in for just one more moment deeper on, I think it relates to the patience part. No, I'm sorry. It relates to the complete part and the organized part. And that is interested in what tip you can share on how you prioritize. You mentioned earlier that you have a hard time concentrating on one thing at a time, which I do as well. And I would suspect most of our listeners do. So is there a tip? Is there a technique? How do you on a daily basis, for example, decide this is more important than this other big thing? 
It, it, it all depends on the situation, I think, on the day. So, for example, I've been dealing with editing and getting edits done for a couple of my publishing clients. Why? Because it's the beginning of the month and I want to get paid. So that's what I'm focusing on right now. I'm focusing on getting their stuff out so that they show that it, it, they see that the investment they're making is actually working. For other days, it's you want to kind of get the small stuff out of the way first. If you need to get up a little earlier, go out there, do your social media, check your emails, check your schedules and see what's coming up. Clear those off of your plate first so when you go into the office or when you start your day, you are ready to go forward and here's how I'm going to make sales. Here's how I'm going to continue to promote the site. And then when you're creating something rich, when you need that quiet time, do you block out uh, X amount of time on your schedule? Uh, I will. If it's during the day and the kids are out or I'm at the office, I will focus on that. Uh, but if not, what I'll do is I'll leave for the night. Uh, not for the night, but I'll leave for a couple of hours. I'll go to a coffee shop. And you know, it, it seems that coffee shops are that environment that kind of uh, percol percolates the creative energies to do stuff. So that's where I've gotten a lot of my creative, uh, my books and uh, things done because it's just, you have food, you have drink, and you're just sitting there and doing what you need to do rather than, you know, being surrounded by everything that's going on, the chaos that's going around on a daily basis. Yeah, you've, you've found that place, that environment works for you. Right. It puts you into your creative mindset, and that's what everybody has to find is where is that space or how do I right. find that space for myself. Right, exactly. Rich, what do you love most about what you do today? Oh, so many things. One, I love the independence because – I can, you know, I can work from home, I can work from my office, I can work from somewhere else. Uh, I don't have to rely on the a check coming in every two weeks and then having it disappear. I, I love that I'm able to help others start working on their creativity. It's not that I'm a writing coach. I'm there more to say, you're a creative person, whether you believe it or not. Now you need to focus on that and invest in yourself. I love to see how people get excited when their books are published and that they see it and they thank me for it. Or I'm interviewing them and they send me an email saying, you do so much for authors, thank you so much. Or for me, thank you so much. That's great. I, that's yeah, great. I'd love to see all of that. No, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt there. Okay, so give me, if you would, uh, elevator pitch on what uh, Wooden Pants Publishing offers your clients. Yep. Wooden Pants Publishing, our tagline is embrace your creative soul. We want you to invest in yourself and break the fear and be a published author. We do this with the Serious About Writing package that offers up editing, formatting, cover design, distribution to ebook and print areas, and marketing. And we do it at an upfront price and I am I permitted to give that oh, price sure. out? Absolutely. It, it is $9,900. We offer an installment payment plan. We just ask for uh, an amount down and through that you are you have the ability to publish a book if not two or three during that period of time. We also offer a opportunity for young authors to publish as well. It's called the Young Writers Program. We take anybody from the age of five until 19 to publish their work, and it is at a severely reduced cost. It's anywhere $500 or less. We will edit, format, cover design, and distribute your book. And I'm doing that because creativity is so important for the next generation out there. And uh, the way that school happens and the rigidity of a lot of things, a lot of kids are losing that creativity. And that creativity certainly helps out later in life to be proactive, to be, uh, to have creative troubleshooting skills and to be like you and I, you know, entrepreneurs and fill those voids. So you can find out more information at woodenpantspub.com. Excellent. All right, let's talk about, uh, last couple of questions, talk about a book recommendation besides your own. Is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, I actually have two. I want you to – I would say End of Jobs by Taylor Pearson is a good one because he talks about how the job market has changed in the last several years, especially since the Great Recession and how more and more people are turning to entrepreneurship and getting out of the corporate environment. So that's The End of Jobs 
by Taylor Pearson. And then I'm going to talk about one from my business coach who is an author as well and an entrepreneur. It's Soul versus Ego Smackdown. And her name is Tracy Sue, S-I-O-U-X. And she talks uh, on how you can tell the difference between what your ego is saying, your head, and what your soul is telling you and how to shut up your your heads so that you can listen to your soul and make the move toward what you want to do in in your life. Wonderful recommendations. And we'll have links to both of those books in the show notes page for this episode. Final couple questions then. Rich, uh, last parting piece of advice or thought for our listeners? Invest in yourself. That's the biggest thing I can and tell you. Yeah, it's, it may cost some money. Uh, and you may have some problems in, in at the beginning. But if you invest in yourself, you're going to see the benefits one way or another. Regar- regardless if it's investing in yourself for health, for, for sanity, for family, for creativity. You have to put yourself you have to invest in what you want to do you can't rely on others to do it for you uh you know everybody you know this uh, this past election everybody was like the government the government the government and that's great but you know what it you have to invest in yourself to make you happy other people can't do it for you yeah i love that and the investment could be as simple as getting off the couch and go for a walk or it could be read a book or it could be Whatever it might be, spend time with your family. It, it's about doing something that's positive and that helps you grow. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the, the website again, but let's mention it again. Where would you like listeners to go to find more about you and about Wooden Pants? You can go to woodenpantspub.com. That's uh, woodenpants and then pub.com. We also have a GoFundMe account for a book we're hoping to launch in January 20, 2017. It's called The Frustrated Entrepreneur, and that's on GoFundMe.com, and it's just Frustrated Entrepreneur. And for the podcast, what you can do is go to blogtalkradio.com, and you can listen to both The Daily Author as well as The Leap Podcast. We're also on uh, TuneIn Radio, and as we we're recording this, we have – Uh, feelers out to get it on Stitcher and Google Play and on iTunes. Fantastic. And we'll have links to all of that in case you didn't catch that on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Rich, this has been a great conversation. Very insightful. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing all the insights on on you personally. I think that'll resonate with people. And thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Henry. I greatly appreciate it. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would thank you and welcome you to subscribe to the show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.